what would you have done if you'd been one of the thousands of people watching as Jesus arrived in the ancient city of Jerusalem, riding on a young donkey? Well, in today's episode, we're exploring Palm Sunday, what it is, the people who were there on that day, and why Palm Sunday is the perfect day to ask ourselves a very important question. Welcome to Divine Connections, a podcast about connecting the truth you believe to the life you really live. I'm your host, Kelly J. Grace, and you're listening to Episode 24. This is the second in a three-episode series about Easter— And I've created this whole series, actually, with younger listeners in mind. So I want you to round up your kids and grab some snacks for a short but important look at why Palm Sunday invites each of us to decide whether or not we'll welcome Jesus into our lives. Okay, are you ready to start? Well, let's start with this. What is Palm Sunday all about? It's a holiday, and our word holiday comes actually from two words, holy day. And we've kind of made it into one word, and now it, of course, means like a vacation or a trip or not having to go to school, the summer holiday. But originally, all holidays were holy days. And this one, in particular, Palm Sunday, is celebrated by Christians around the world. And it is the day that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem to offer himself as the long-promised King of Israel. Now, Jesus had three special friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And they lived near Jerusalem in a small village called Bethany. And during these last days before his death, Jesus stayed at their home each night and went back to Jerusalem each morning. So Palm Sunday is the first morning of the most important week in all of history. In the Christian faith, it's called Holy Week. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus walked from Bethany, the village where Lazarus and Martha and Mary lived, to Bethphage, a little place on the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. And there in Bethphage, he sends two of his disciples into a nearby village to find a donkey tied with her young colt and bring them to him. He even tells his disciples what to say if anyone says anything to them about taking these animals. So I have a question for you. Do you know what the word prophecy means? Well, if you don't, it means something that God tells us is going to happen long before it actually happens. It could be an event like the Great Flood, which God told Noah about a hundred years before it happened. Or it could be something like this example of the donkey's colt being ridden by Jesus as he enters Jerusalem. In fact, that event that happened on Palm Sunday was foretold by the prophet Zechariah 500 years 
before it happened. In Zechariah 9.9, we read this, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, that typifies a prophecy that was foretold many, many years, centuries, in fact, before it happened. And now we are seeing it fulfilled on that day on Palm Sunday. So Zion is another name for the city of Jerusalem. And the daughters of Zion describes the people who are living in Jerusalem. It's men and women, children, everybody. It's called the daughter of Zion. And so this prophecy is to them, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly or humble, and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You maybe don't know it, but typically in Bible times, when a king rode somewhere on a horse, he was usually going to battle. But if he rode somewhere on a donkey, he was coming in peace. We see that in the story of David, who leads his own son, Solomon, in a procession to crown him as the king, because David was very old and near death. And so he puts his son on his own donkey. And that's how all the people knew that was David's choice, that his son Solomon would reign after him as king. So the idea of being on the donkey is coming in peace. And then we see also um, another prophet, Isaiah, who adds to this kind of prophecy about Palm Sunday. And this is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, verse 11. And there it says, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world. That means everyone got the message. Say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work is before him. So the first prophecy tells us how the king of Israel will enter Jerusalem, humble and riding on a donkey. But the second prophecy tells us that his reward is with him, but he has work to do once he gets to Jerusalem. Now, the last time on the podcast, we talked about Christmas as the celebration of Jesus' birth. And if you haven't heard that episode, you should go back and listen. That's episode 23. And uh, it sets the stage for what we're sharing this time and next time. So you should listen to all three of the episodes kind of together. So last time, though, we talked about Christmas as the celebration of Jesus' birth and that he grew up in a small village called Nazareth, and he learned to be a carpenter before he began what we call his public ministry. So during his ministry, that's the time when Jesus would go from village to village, from place to place in Israel. During that public ministry, he taught the people about God, and he healed the sick, even raising people from the dead. So, in fact, lots and lots of people by this time, by Palm Sunday, lots of people in the nation of Israel knew about Jesus. Many of them had seen him or heard him teaching in their villages, in their synagogues, which is... Um, a Jewish church, so to speak, in a village. So lots of people knew 
that Jesus had been going around and he had um, done all kinds of miracles. And so many of the people in this crowd on Palm Sunday had actually been present there in Bethany when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been dead for four days by the time Jesus got to that village, and his sisters, Martha and Mary, were, of course, overcome with grief. But there Jesus stood and called Lazarus to come out of the tomb. So many people saw that miracle. And on Palm Sunday, those people are part of the group, a large, large crowd that are now following with Jesus all the way from the village there in Bethany, stopping in Bethphage and sending the disciples to go get that donkey and her young colt that no one had ever ridden on. And Jesus rides that donkey on the way to Jerusalem. And then there are other people in this big group who had seen Jesus heal two blind men near the city of Jericho. Remember in the Old Testament, Joshua and the children of Israel surrounded Jericho and marched around it and the walls fell down? That It's that same place. And these two blind men were sitting outside Jericho and they were yelling at the top of their voices, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Now, David was Israel's most beloved king, and the Messiah is called the son of David because God promised David that he would raise up for him someone who would sit on the throne of Israel forever and ever. And so he's called the son of David. He's the Messiah. He's the king of Israel, and he's also called the son of David. Now, a bunch of people came from Jericho and many people from Bethany. So there's a large crowd already going along with Jesus along this route as they're going to the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible calls them a multitude. That means a big, huge crowd of people. Maybe you've watched... Um, a parade or something, and you've seen there are so many people lining the the parade route. Well, it's kind of like that. This, but this group is marching along with him. They're following along, going on the way to Jerusalem, and uh, of course, many of them had seen Jesus perform these miracles, and they're walking along with him as he made his way into the city. Now. As I said, after three years of public ministry throughout all of Israel, many, many people knew about Jesus. And most people thought he was a prophet like Elijah or maybe a good teacher. But on Palm Sunday, Jesus is going to do something that makes it clear to all the people in Israel who he is. So... Jerusalem is filled with people from all over the nation who have come to celebrate the Jewish feast of Passover. So there's this massive crowd, and of course, many of them already know something about Jesus. So he's going to fulfill the prophecy. Remember the one we read earlier in Zechariah about the king coming to them riding on a donkey? So I want you now to picture in your mind. I've been to Israel many, many times, so it's easy for me to picture this. And I'm going to see if I can help you see what it was like 
physically where Jesus was and where this crowd was. So I want you to picture in your mind two high hills and a deep, steep valley between them. And one hill is called the Mount of Olives. It's really an an orchard of olive trees, and a pathway runs through it all the way down from the top, which is where the people coming from Bethany and Bethphage and Jericho, they would have come in that route. So they'd come in at the top of the Mount of Olives, and now they'll follow this path all the way down into what's called the Kidron Valley. And then the path continues up the other steep side of the hill into the city of Jerusalem. And that path actually goes all the way to the temple. And maybe you don't know what a temple is, but the Jews had a temple where they worshiped God. That's where sacrifices were made. Remember, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's the temple that's in the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus is headed there. And as he's riding this donkey down the path from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley, this multitude, this big crowd begins to sing and to shout out praises for all the wonderful, mighty works they had seen Jesus do. And this is what they say. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Jewish religious leaders heard this and they got very upset. And they're telling Jesus, make these people stop. But Jesus says to them, if these kept silent even the stones would immediately cry out. Now, I have to laugh at that because Israel is a very kind of desert area. It's very rocky soil filled with lots and lots of rocks. And so when Jesus says, if these people kept silent, the very stones, all these rocks would cry out in praise to God. That I think is a little, uh, it's true, but it's also a little bit of a joke that he's making with these Pharisees. He's he's letting them know that this praise is going to come forth, whether it comes from people or from the rocks. And then once in the temple area, once they get into the temple area, it says that young children cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, Hosanna is a word that means save now to the son of David. The son of David, again, is a reference to the, the king that God promised David would someday come and sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. And David was just kind of, um, he was just, his mind was blown at the idea that God was going to put a king on his throne forever and ever and ever to reign on the throne of David. And that's Jesus Christ. So once again, the religious leaders, when they hear these little children crying out, Hosanna, save now to the son of David, they get so angry and they say to Jesus, make them stop. But Jesus says to them, haven't you read in the scriptures out of the mouths of young children and little infants, you have perfected praise. 
So what that means is that God has even out of the mouth of young children and little tiny babes, he has caused in that moment praise to come forth from them to God for Jesus Christ, for the answer of this long time promise to send them a king to the nation Israel. And so even these young children are giving praise to Jesus and to God for sending Jesus. Now, I said, Palm Sunday gives you and I an opportunity to ask ourselves some important questions. They're big questions, really. And so I want you to talk about these questions with whatever grown-up you're listening to this podcast with. The big questions are for you and me to answer ourselves. And it is the first one is this, how would I have welcomed Jesus if I had been there that day? So if you remember, as I told you the story of what happened and what people were there and what they were doing and saying, you can ask yourself this, would I have been one of the people who just followed along to see if Jesus was going to do another miracle. Maybe someone has read to you before the stories in the Bible, or you heard it in Sunday school, where Jesus fed the 5,000, where he took a little boy's lunch, and he broke up the bread, the barley loaves, and the fish, and fed all those people, and then the disciples gathered up baskets of leftovers, Uh, He another time fed 4,000 people. So that's a lot of people at one time to feed with nothing but a, a small little few loaves. So he broke it and blessed it and passed it out, and it kept multiplying to feed all the people. So some people remembered that, and they'd followed Jesus from time to time. And in fact, Jesus once said to them, I think you're following me because you ate the bread. And now you're back for more. So he kind of understood that their motive wasn't very pure in coming. They weren't coming to hear the truth or to actually have some kind of interaction with God. They were coming just to fill their stomach. So we have to ask ourselves, would I have followed along just to see if he was going to do another miracle, if he was going to heal another blind person or make the lame walk or raise someone from the dead or feed the whole crowd as he had done before? If so, would I be following just because I was curious or just because I wanted to get something or be entertained by Jesus? That's not the right way. Then the second is, would I have been like one of those religious leaders and told him to tell the people and the children to stop celebrating God's gift of a king? Would I have refused to believe Jesus when he said who he was, even after seeing the miracles he performed and being aware of the prophecies that he was fulfilling? Would I still have a heart of unbelief? Would I reject him? Or would I have been like those who worshipped and praised him for the miracles he did, for the teachings that I'd heard, and for the fact that he was the king, the son of David sent by God to the nation Israel? Would I accept the proof 
that God gave through the miracles and the prophecies that were fulfilled. Now, you and I weren't there on that day, but God was very careful to record what happened so that we could know about it. And God's Spirit is asking us, I believe, each one of us, to decide how we'll respond to Jesus. Will we doubt Him? Or just kind of be curious, but not really receiving it in faith? Or will we criticize Him like the religious leaders did? Or will we welcome Him with faith? and with praises for who he is and what he's done. Now this Palm Sunday, we each can choose for ourselves how we will respond to Jesus. But I want you to think about it carefully and think about the different people in the story and decide which one of those you would have been, because that's what you're deciding even today. Even though you weren't back there 2,000 years ago, back on that day, you now know the story of what has happened. And if you want to read it yourself, get a Bible, and I'm going to give you the four different gospel stories where this is. In some Bibles, it's called the Triumphal Entry, and it's in Matthew 21, verses 1 to 17. In Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. And in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. So I want to encourage you with the adults in your family to read at least one of those stories and talk about Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, talk about what it means and what question it brings up for each of us. How are we going to respond to Jesus? Heavenly Father, I pray for this week to be a week of decision for many people, young and old. Speak to us in the quiet moments before we go to sleep, and by your grace, give us faith to believe who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, and as John the Baptist said, he's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Father, give us bold faith to believe in you, and by that faith, to be born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Help us to gather our own palm leaves, if you will, to wave in the air as we sing praises and offer our thanks for salvation, for that work that Jesus came that last week to Jerusalem to do. And Lord, we thank you that his reward is with him, that he gives eternal life to all who believe in him. So help us prepare our hearts to remember and reflect on his sacrifice for us as Easter Sunday draws near. We thank you so much 
for this time together. And I thank you for every parent or grandparent who shared this time with a child. You've said, let the little children come to me and don't hold them back. You said that we each must come like a little child with a heart so wide open to you that when we hear the truth, we will believe it. We want to enter the kingdom of God. And to do that, we have to come with the faith of a child. We want to be in your kingdom and we want Jesus as our king. We want to live with you and have you living within us forever and ever. And we want to go to that place that you're preparing where there is no sin, no more tears, no more death, only every good thing that you have planned and prepared for us. And most of all, it's where you are. Father, that's the desire of our heart. Amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you liked the podcast, please tell your friends. You can hit the follow button and you can also leave a review because that helps others discover us here as well. Now, next week is the last in this series of three special podcasts about Easter and we'll be talking about Easter Sunday. So in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, or you can go to my website, kellyjgrace.com, and there you'll find other resources to help you in your spiritual walk with God. And I'm planning on adding a new blog post about Easter that will also give you some resources and some ideas for making it truly a Christian celebration. I mean, we're moving beyond Easter eggs here. So I'll have that on the website for you. And I will see you next time. Thanks again and God bless.